praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Just worship him this morning. Just lift your hands to Jesus. He's so worthy. Just lift your hands and worship him. Come on, everybody. Just lift your hands. Worship him. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you glory and honor. We worship you. We magnify you. We lift you up, O oh God. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your glory being loosed in this atmosphere. We give you the glory this morning. We worship you. 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 Victory belongs to you, Lord Jesus. And because it belongs to you, it belongs to us. And we just worship you for that this morning. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We glorify you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. We bless you. We magnify and worship you. Lord, we just put this service into your hands this morning. We pray that you have your way, that you move by your spirit, that you speak to each and every one of us. I pray that you give us all hearing ears, ears that hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying this morning, eyes that see, hearts that receive, minds that understand. Let us be completely open to everything that you're going to do and to everything that you're going to say today. And Father, we just want to thank you in advance for it. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for taking us to the next level, for doing us great, doing great works in our lives, causing this year to be the best year, the most productive, the most favor-filled, the most prosperous year that we've ever experienced in our lives. And Father, for it, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Let's now come on. Let's just give Jesus a praise. Come on. You can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a praise this morning. Amen. 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 Now, why don't you just get out your seats and greet somebody, give them a good hug. All right. Going to get ready to get right into the word of God this morning. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands or just make sure that you, you have one. Hallelujah. How'd you guys do out there in that weather? It wasn't too bad, right? That wasn't nothing, man. That wasn't nothing. A little slush, that's it. <laughs> and that wasn't bad at all. I was praying against it, binding it. <laughs> I was cursing snow. <laughs> Let it pass in Jesus' name. 
Glory to God. You know, I never, um, regardless, you know, I never cancel service. <laughs> I never cancel service. And um, the reason why I don't, and uh, I would never try to tell people you got to come out here, you know, or try to make people come to service or nothing like that. But I will always open these doors in the event that someone, sometimes somebody just, sometimes people just need God, man, and they, they don't care, man. They'll just, they'll get out in anything just to get the word. I remember one year when we were in our first building, this young man came to service and um, it was, I mean, it was snowing like crazy outside. I mean, it was a real bad snowstorm, but I opened up. Because I always, you know, God always put on my heart, you know, if somebody comes here, you, you, you be here. If nobody else don't show up, you be here for that pe those people. Well, this guy came, and he was like, I'm so glad you had church today. I really needed to hear a word from God. And see, that, that it shaped the, um, the foundation for the reason why I don't, I don't close church. Now, again, you know, I don't, I don't want nobody to, to feel like they must come. And I don't want anybody to be unsafe trying to get here, but I'm going to go. And if somebody shows up, they're brave enough to get out there in the storm because they want to hear from God. I'm, I'm brave enough to be here to give them a word. So uh, that's, that's why I don't. You know? So again, I'm not trying to put your lives in danger. If you feel like it's, it's bad out there, don't come. You know? But I'll be here. And if somebody, again, one person comes, I'll preach like there's a thousand people here. <laughs> So um, I want to get into today's message. You know, God really, God really spoke to me, man. Oh, my God. And I'm, I'm going to share something with you, and this is not my message, but this is something that God spoke to me this morning. I came here this morning to kind of get everything ready, get things, you know, situated. And it was something that I read earlier, and it must have just, like, been hanging around in my my memory banks or something like that. And God, and I mean, it didn't impress me when I read it this morning. But when I got here, it just, it jumped on me. And I was in here kind of doing some things. And then I just had to stop what I was doing. And I had to write it down real quick so that I wouldn't forget what God said to me. And I said, I really need to share this, you know. So this is, this is not my message. But this right here, it will, if you will listen to this, if you will receive this, this can, um, it will change messages for you going forward. Not just when I preach, but whenever, anytime you hear any message preached, this right here that I'm about to tell you is going to completely change that for you. So you guys ready? You got ears to hear? You're going to have to have ears to hear. And, Revelate, and that's exactly where I'm coming from. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, this is the second scripture, and then I'm going to go into what God shared with me. In Matthew 13, 9 through 16. So he says it again. But this time he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Now I want to go down a little further into this. He says, then the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the crowds in parables? Now, Jesus, every time he's ministering, he's using a parable or he's using a, a natural event or something that happens in the natural 
so that he can explain what the kingdom of God is like. So he says, they say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replied to them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. Do you know because you're, you're saved, you now have the privilege of hearing and receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's a privilege that you have as a believer. The reason why people, when you, when you talk to people about God and they don't understand is because it has not been given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of, of God. They don't know it. It doesn't make sense to them. They don't, they don't comprehend it. But to you, it has been given. And, that's what, and Jesus begins to explain that to him. And he says, for whoever has spiritual wisdom because he is receptive to God's word, to him more will be given. And he will rich, be richly and abundantly supplied. He goes on to say, but whoever does not have spiritual wisdom because he has devalued God's word, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he says, this is the reason I speak to the crowds in parables. Because while having the power of seeing, they don't see. And while having the power of hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand and grasp spiritual things. And then he says, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will hear and keep on hearing, but never understand. And you will look and keep on looking, but never comprehend. For this nation's heart has grown hard, and with their ears, they hardly hear. And they have tightly closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn to me, and I would heal them spiritually. He says, but blessed or spiritually aware and favored by God are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Now, let me share with you what God shared with me. Again, this is going to, this will transform or could transform every message that you hear going forward. So I put here, the Holy Spirit has a universal message to the church. But he also has a personal message for you that is pertaining to your personal situation, right? Now, if you've been listening you will know that the universal message to the church right now, right, in this season, is seek first the kingdom of God or put God first. I don't care who you listen to preach. For the most part, if they're in tune with what God is talking about, they are saying seek first the kingdom of God or they're saying put God first, right? Same thing. That's the universal message that God is now sharing through the Holy Spirit to the church. Put God first. You want to you you be successful? Put God first. Right? Put God's agenda in front of yours. Put God's first. That's the universal message right now to the church. And then, of course, if you do that, then he has promised that all these things that you've been running after, they'll be given to you. Now, within that universal message, however, the Spirit has a personal message for you. Or he has a way that you need to begin to put God first in your life. Right? So the universal message to the church is put God first. But he has a message for you, and he's telling you, this is where you need to put God first. Some of you have, you know, put other people before God. 
So now he's saying, I need you to stop putting that person in front of me and put me first. Some people have, you know, they want to be blessed financially, but they, they, put it, they, they put all their other bills first before they honor God. And God is saying, put me first. So it depends on, you, you have a personal message within that, put, God, put me first. There is an area, possibly, in your life where you have put something else before God. And he's saying, now, this is, I need you to put me first. And if you put me first, then you don't have to worry about that other stuff because I'll take care of it. Now, if you keep putting that other thing in front of me, you'll wind up losing that because you put it before me. And God's not going to have anybody take his place. He has to be first place. That's why the Bible says he's a jealous God. He's not going to have you put something else before him. You put something else before him, you'll wind up losing that thing. All right, now, you guys following me? Now, again, this is not my message, but I want you to understand something. Now, this is what he really spoke to me. I put here, also let me mention that God wants to speak to you in every service that we have. He wants to specifically speak to you in every service that we have. The issue is that most people are not listening with both ears. That just means that with one ear, you should be listening to me, but with the other ear or your spiritual ear, you should be listening to what God has to say to you personally. So God is looking to speak to you. And every message we have, every message that I preach, or every message that you hear someone else speak, God is looking to speak to you personally. And I put here, everything that I say is not specifically for you. Don't let that go over your head. Everything that I say is not specifically for you. Now let me clarify that just a little bit. Because I'm preaching the truth, it applies to you. Right? So everything that I say, it applies because it's the word of God. If I'm ministering the word of God, somebody ministering the word of God, it applies to you. But it may not be specifically what God is saying to you to do right now. Does that make sense? And then I put here... God has something very specific to say to each and every one of us. Therefore, different parts of the message will speak to different individuals. So I'm preaching, right? And you hear something like, well, you know, I know that. But that may not be for you. Somebody else may not know that. And God is, see, God wants to speak to everybody. He don't want to just focus on you and your whole message be about you and that's it. Then no one else gets fed. So I'm, as I'm ministering in this message, 80% of it may not be specifically for you, right? And, but there'll be a part where it's, that's mine. And see, if you're not listening because, you know, you're, you, well, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. You're not, you're not, now you're not paying attention. And then when God does speak something to you, it goes over your head and you miss it. I put here, but if you're listening, if you're not listening, you're going to miss what God has to say to you. And one word from God can change your life forever. It don't, it don't take an hour's worth of preaching to change your life. All it takes is one word. And if you are not focused when I'm ministering the word of God, you're going to miss 
that one word that he has for you. Or somebody else preaching. Don't have to necessarily be me. And I put here, that's not how important listening is for you and I, of course. How important it is for you to listen if you want to be successful. There's no question about it. If you're not, if you turn your ears off and you start thinking about what you're going to eat after you leave here. Or you start thinking about, you know, the chores you have for tomorrow. You start thinking about work or whatever. You're going to wind up closing your ear for a moment and then missing out on what God has to say to you. Again, that's why I said this right here, what I'm, what I'm saying to you right now, this can transform every single message that you ever hear going forward. If you, if you sit down in those seats and get focused and say, I got both of my ears open, I'm waiting to hear what you got to say to me. Don't come to church just to come. I, I, if I go, I want to hear from God. I wanna, what do you have to say to me? I need direction for my life. I need to know what I need to do. I've had my life transformed in, in, in going to church. Just sitting in the service, sitting down, just listening to the word of God. Like, whoa, that's it. That, I, that's it right there. You have to be attentive. You have to train yourself because, you know, we get so, most people's attention spans are very short. You know, and you're sitting there, but you start zoning out. And you start thinking about, and see, that's the trick of the devil. Because the trick of the devil is to distract you. And that's why Jesus says, looking away from everything that will distract you to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. You got to, if some, somebody open that door, everybody's head start turning. That's how quickly you're distracted. Somebody starts moving. A baby cries. You know, automatically your focus is gone. You have to zero in. If you really want to hear from God, you got to zero in. And you got to get focused for that time that you're there because God can just speak to you and it's like, that's what I needed. Zero in on that message that God has for you so now you can take that and begin to apply it to your life. All right, that was, that was for free. Because <laughs> I really, you know, I mean, gospel, I mean, I'm sitting up here, I'm on this platform. I'm like, you know, getting stuff together. And I mean, I just hear God speaks to me and it just, he tells me that. That ain't have nothing to do with nothing I'm gonna preach today in my message. But it did. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the message, but everything to do with the message. And God said, you got to communicate that before you preach this message today. This year, 2019, get focused. Focus is the key. If you'll get focused in whatever you're doing, focus while you're here. Focus when you're at your job. Wherever you're at, be focused on it. If you get focused on it, you'll start finding success. You got to get focused in everything that you're doing. All right, so that's the end of that. I'm going to get to my message now. All right? You guys ready for the message? <laughs> you guys focused? You zeroed in? You ready to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say? All right. So let's get into this. So I've been, I've been doing a little personal study on Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite, one of my favorite Bible characters. 
So I was doing a study, and God just gave me some things to pull out of the, uh, you know, the life and the story of Joseph. So in Genesis uh, chapter 37, going to read verses 3 to 5 there. And um, again, I'm going to pull some things out of here that I believe will really bless you. And if you have ears to hear, will really transform some things in your life. But in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 to 5, I'm reading the Amplified. It says, now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And it says, and he made him a distinctive multicolored tunic, or he made him a coat of many colors. And his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of his other brothers. And so they hated him and could not find it within themselves to speak to him on friendly terms. And it says, now Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers. And when he told his dream to them, they began to hate him more. So I put here, you know, this is an extremely important thing to know, to understand. That is the fact that people will, if you start walking in the blessings and the favor of God, people are going to be jealous. And no, you can't get around it. You really start walking in the favor of God. You really start walking in God's blessings. People are going to get jealous. Now, people will be all right with you as long as you're struggling like they are. You know, as long as you're depressed and, and you know, you're in trouble, people will be all right with you. They'll even sympathize with you. You know, they'll even, they'll even come to your pity party. Oh, don't worry about it. It's everything going to be all right. But let you start prospering. Let you start getting successful. Let you start getting blessed. Let you start walking in God's favor, man. Let, let, let things start happening for you. Then, then, man, people, those same people that was telling you it's going to be all right. Now that it is getting all right, they start getting jealous because it ain't going right for them. So when his brother started seeing that Joseph was getting favor, man, he, was, he got this coat of many colors on. His father loved him more than them. I mean, he, they, they, they just got jealous, man, and envious. But then he went a step further, started sharing his dreams with them. And when he started sharing his dreams with them, man, I mean, the Bible says they, they hated him even more. And I was put here, you know, you can't, you can't do anything about the favor that you walk in. But you definitely can avoid being arrogant about your blessings. There's no question about that. <laughs> now, see, they already hated Joseph for the blessings and favor that he walked in, but they hated him even more when he began to brag about his dreams. And let's just go a little further into the scriptures, and then I'll share something with you about that. In Genesis 37, verses 18 to 28, it says, and now, now, this is the story. Now, after that happens, his brothers are out and they're, you know, taking care of his father's flock. And his father, uh, Jacob, says, you know, I want you to go check on your brothers and see how everything is going. Come back and give me a report about them. So he goes to check them out. And when he finds them, this is how, how it happens. It says in Genesis 37, 18 through 28, it says, and when they saw him from a distance, even before he came close to them, they plotted to kill him. And they said to one another, look, 
here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say to our father, a wild animal killed and devoured him. And, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. <laughs> Let's see what happens to those dreams once we, throw them, once we kill him and throw him in this pit. And it says, now Reuben the eldest heard this and rescued him from their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, do not, do not shed his blood, but instead throw him alive into the pit that is here in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him to kill him. And he said this so that he could rescue him from them and return him safely to his father. And it says, now when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped him of his tunic, the distinctive multicolored tunic which he was wearing took his coat of many colors. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. And it says, now the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat their meal. And that's something. They throw him in a pit. Then they sit down and they have lunch. He's down cold, man. I mean, he's down there probably crying or something like that, you know. And they sit down having lunch. And it says, now when they looked up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing latinum resin for perfume and balm and myrrh going on their way to carry the cargo down to Egypt. And it says, and Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come let us instead sell him to these Ishmaelites. So now he's saying, you know, what kind of profit are we going to get if we just kill him? Why don't we just sell him as a slave and make some money off of it? Talk about cold, man. These are his brothers. And he says, and lay not your hands on him, because he is our brother and our flesh. So his brothers listened to him and agreed. Then as the Midianite traders were passing by, the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And so they took Joseph as a captive into Egypt. Now let me get into this just a little bit. I put first of here, this is very important for you. Never share your dreams with someone that doesn't support you. Never share your dreams with someone that's jealous and envious of you already. All it will do is make them more envious and jealous of you. And I put here, only share your dreams with those that can help you fulfill your dreams or are inspired by your dreams and are supportive of them. The sharing of his dreams with the wrong people moved his brothers from hate to action. <laughs> First, they just didn't like him. Then they started plotting. And I put here, now, now people may not try to physically kill you or sell you or anything like that. <laughs> but they may try to kill your dreams in a more subtle way. Usually by trying to discourage you from pursuing your dreams. They will tell you things like, how are you going to do that with your scratch schedule? Oh, I don't think that will work, you know. And I put here, it amazes me how unsuccessful people can tell you whether or not something will work. <laughs> I put, how do they know? If they knew it, wouldn't, it would work, then it would be working for them, right? They don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to put the bottom line. They just want, they just don't want you to do better than them. 
And I put stop listening to them and stop letting them kill your dreams. So you start sharing your dreams with the wrong people. And they'll start getting envious of those dreams. They start thinking, why not come up with that idea? Why, why do they always get everything? Why are they so much more successful? He's no better than me. She's no better than me. They grew up in the same area with me. And sometimes even in the same house like Joseph's brothers. And that envy and jealousy can start moving people to hate. And you start sharing your dreams with these people, man, and they'll start trying to discourage you from pursuing them. Don't listen to people like that. First of all, don't share your dreams with people like that. Got to keep your, your dreams sometimes tight to your chest and really just talk to people that you know can either help you further those dreams or will get inspired. And I talk to some of my friends and they tell me about some of the things they're doing. It begins to inspire me. I begin to be like, you know what, man, I need to start moving, man. They're moving. See, there's, there's, a, there's a healthy level of, I don't want to call it competition, but it's not competition, but it's just like it, you get inspired. It's like motivation, yes. Like, yeah, I like, they, they, doing, they doing that? Man, I got I to gotta step my game up. I got to take it to the next level here. It's good to have friends like that because you can get comfortable. And that's why I always say, you know, if you're the smartest person in your bunch, you need to change your bunch. Because everybody's looking at you. You're their barometer. Everybody's getting inspired by you. But now you don't have nobody to inspire you. It's great to inspire people, but you need somebody that inspires you. You need somebody that will make you reach and get out of your comfort zone. We can get comfortable. You know, we're doing all right. Things happen, and you can just get comfortable. Like, yeah, I'm doing good, man, you know. And everybody I know, there ain't nobody else doing better than me. But I start hearing people doing better than me, it starts pushing me like, I'm like, whoa, man, I gotta, maybe I'm not, you know, doing as much as I can do. I can, I can take this a step further. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta have people in your life that begin to make you reach, make you go for something. Step outside of that comfortable place. Sitting back, yeah, I'm good, I'm doing good now. I'm good. I don't have to do nothing else. You need somebody that's doing something that just make you like, man, almost makes you mad. <laughs> almost. Not quite, but almost. Like, man, I got to do some more stuff, man. That's what you need in your life. Motivation. But see, this, his dreams didn't motivate his brothers. And see, that's the flip side of it. Because they were the wrong people to tell his dreams to. And what it did was it caused them to, to hate him. And you can have people in your life that you begin to share your dreams with and it won't make them happy for you. And it won't motivate them. It will make them want to stop you from you getting better than what they are. And you got to begin to identify those people so that you can remove them from your life. Or at the very least, never share anything important with them. So now Joseph is in, um, he's being sold. He's in Egypt now. 
And now I want to start getting into some of this. So in Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 9, there's a whole lot of stuff you can glean from this story. And it's very difficult just to kind of take pull pieces out of it because it's just so much. But in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 9, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the royal guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. And it says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man. Even though he was a slave, he began to prosper and be successful. And it says, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And it says, now his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper and succeed in his hand. Now, you know, if you never just glance over the scripture, now the Bible says that Potiphar saw that God was with him. How did he see that? Well, he saw it because every time he did something, it prospered in his hand. Every time he put him over something, he started doing it, and it began to work better than it ever worked before. And that's how he could tell when he, even though this man was a slave, when he began to put his hands to something, it began to prosper. And that's how he could tell that the, Lord, the Lord's with this guy. I mean, I don't care what I get. This guy's a slave. I don't care what I give him. He, he begins to prosper at it. And it goes on to say, so Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight. And he served him as his personal servant. No question about it. If you begin to, if things start prospering in, in your hand, if you begin to prosper at everything you do, you will be promoted. No question. You begin to put your hands to something and it begins to prosper, you'll find favor in people's eyes. If you can do something and do it well, you'll begin to find favor. Whether that's with your boss or wherever, you'll find favor in people's eyes. And it goes on to say, and he made Joseph overseer of his house. He put just this slave man in, front, in, in charge of his whole house. And he put all that he owned in Joseph's charge. And it happened that from the time that he made Joseph overseer in his house and put him in charge over all that he owned, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned in the house and in the field. I mean... Everywhere this guy went, man, I mean, he just started prospering. Everything he put his hands to, he began to do it well, and it, and it went to the next level because God was with him in his place. And I put here, so, this, so, so it goes on to say, so Potiphar left all that he owned in Joseph's hands, and with Joseph there, he did not need to pay attention to anything except for the food that he ate. And he goes on to say, now Joseph was handsome and attractive in form and appearance. Then after a time, his master's wife looked at Joseph and desired him. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, with me in the house, my master does not concern himself with anything. He has put everything that he owns in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am. What, what a thing to say. He's not greater in his own house than I am. 
nor has he kept anything from me except for you because you're his wife. <laughs> Everything else in this house, I have full access to as a slave. I got full access to this whole house. The only thing that he has, I can't touch is you because you're his wife. That's it. Everything else I can, I can put my hands on, do whatever I want to do with it. No problems. And he says, how then can I do this great evil and sin? Not against him. Sin against God. Now let me just kind of break this down because there's a whole lot here. Let's start chewing on this a little bit. First, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, the Bible says that even though he was a slave, Joseph became a successful and a prosperous man. It goes on to say that Potiphar begins to recognize that God is with him. And now again, the question is, how can a man be successful and prosperous as a slave? And how can this man see that God is with him? Now the answer is because God made everything that he did to prosper. Not just some things, everything. And I put, now this was a thought I had because I started thinking, you know, some people have success in, in areas, you know. They don't have to walk with God to have success in areas, you know. But as I started thinking about that and really chewing on the scriptures and really praying about it, I thought uh, this is the thought I got. And I put, now everybody has something that they're just gifted in doing and that they can do well. Everybody does, saved or not saved. But Joseph did everything well. So that's a difference. Not just things he was gifted at, everything. Now, Joseph, think about it. This man, he has no experience. All Joseph has been doing up until this point is being the tattletale of the house. That was Joseph's job. He wasn't working. He wasn't in the field. He had a coat of many colors on. And his father said, you know, go check on these guys, see what they're doing. And once you see what they're doing, come back and tell me what they're doing. That was, that was his job, was the tattletale on his brothers. No wonder they didn't like him. Nobody likes a tattletale. He ain't working. He ain't doing nothing. But now he's a slave in Egypt, and he starts putting his hands to stuff, and everything he does prospers. Who taught him that? How did he learn that? Well, of course, God. There's no other way. He don't have no experience. He don't have special training. He didn't go to school to manage people's houses. He didn't take class on managing fields. I mean, this guy puts everything in Joseph's hands, and he don't know nothing about nothing except, this is my woman, don't touch her. And, you know, where's my plate? That's it. I mean, everything else belongs to Joseph. And God has to be with this guy because he's prospering at everything that he does. Now I put here, now if he was tasked with activities in the house, he did that well. If he was put into the field, that began to run well. Everything. Everything that he did began to prosper. And I put here, and that means that it began to run better and smoother than it ever did before. He didn't just do a good job. Things began to flourish under his hands. So much so, the scriptures state that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. 
So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned. I need you to understand something. You begin to, you begin to walk in, you begin to walk with God for real. When you go into organizations, they should transform because of you. I don't care whether you went to school for that stuff or not. If you start getting into the presence of God and he begins to speak to you, he'll have you run in that place like clockwork. And then people will begin to see that God is with you and then you'll be promoted. But if you go there with this attitude like, you know, I don't feel like working. Here I am on this job, you know. You go there with that attitude. You're not going to be climbing. But if you go there and you're like, I don't care what they put in my hands, I'm going to do it and do it well. Joseph is, Joseph is a slave. It don't get no lower than that. Well, I got I to gotta get on the phones. I have to, you know, work in the mail room. I don't care where you start at. This guy starts off as a slave. I don't care where they put you at. By the time you finish there, you should be in charge of stuff. All right, let me move on, man. And I put in a second, we see the integrity of Joseph when Potiphar's wife begins to fall for him. See, he understands that laying with Potiphar's wife was greater than just a violation against Potiphar's trust. But it was more importantly a sin against God. And I put here, what do you do when nobody will know but God? What do you do when nobody else is looking and nobody else will know but God? I know it's real quiet in here. That's the gauge of your integrity. What do you do when nobody's looking and when nobody will know but God because he's always watching? He could have slept with his wife and not gone to prison. You know, now I got everything in this house. I got his wife too. I put it here, most people don't mind compromising their principles to please others. If that'll make you happy, Potiphar's wife, sure. Why not? And I put here, they would rather offend God than offend man. Something to think about, man. Because that is so connected to whether or not and how, how whether or not you'll be successful and how successful you'll ultimately be because that test will always come God will begin to bless you begin to prosper you and then he'll and then he'll give you an opportunity that you're, you're going to have to choose you know are you going to rather you know tell him I'm not here you going to rather you going to lie so that you can make the boss happy? Well, it's just a little lie.
integrity, man. God's always watching. Who are you going to put first? Again, seek you first. Put God first. Well, if I do that, they're going to fire me. If I don't come, if I don't come into work, they're going to fire me. I saw this woman who stood up. You know, they said they tried to make her come to work on Sundays, stuff like that. She said, I, you know, finally said, I ain't coming. And she sued, she sued them people because they fired her for not coming to work on Sunday and got all these millions. Now, you can put the work first, and then now you compromise all your principles. And, you know, and you go do that. Or you take the risk of getting the ax, but God will always pay you back. This man had to go to prison because he wouldn't compromise his principles. You worrying about losing the job. I tell him, I don't do Sundays, man. I'm not coming, I can't, I don't come on Sundays. I don't do, this. I don't do Sundays. That started from way back when I was working for, for, you know, I was working for Prudential. And I told him, I can't do Sunday, man. I can't do Wednesday night, I can't do Sunday. Because I was my Pastor Jason's armor bearer. I need to be there. I said, I can't do it. They reorganized what I had to do so that I could get off in time to go to church. And I've never had a problem with nobody with no Sundays. I don't care where I worked at. I can't do it. Because I got I to be in the house. I'm, I'm there. I got to serve my I can't do it. Now, whatever that means, whatever you got to do, go ahead and do it. But I ain't coming. I can't. If you'll stick your neck, if you'll, if you'll be willing to put it all on the line for God, he'll turn things around for you. And if you, and if you gotta, if it gotta go, it gotta go. But if a door closed, God always got a bigger one open for you. It amazes me, man. As soon as people start getting blessed, you know, again, it'll always come. They get blessed with a beautiful job. Next thing you know, they say, I need your work on Sunday. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, the first time, if you don't tell them I can't do it, and you compromise, it's going, oh, this is one time. I just need you this one Sunday. If you don't put your foot down and say, I can't do it, then it'll be every Sunday. Eventually, it'll be every Sunday. Because all the devil's trying to do is pull you out. The one thing that got you to where you at, the devil wants to then pull you away from it. Now, everything that you learned, you've been praying, believing in God, you've been sitting in church getting the word that powered your faith. Now you put your work out, you put the faith out there to get you a job, get you a great job. And now they say, I need your work on Sunday. Now forget about all that stuff. I got it now. Eventually it'll backfire. I don't know who that's for. I'm just saying that. But that's what happens. But you have to be willing to put it all on the line. This man Joseph, I'm putting it all on the line. Look, I ain't sleeping with you. I don't care. And he went to prison for it. But God still had a plan for him. Now let's just get into this a little bit more. Now these are what I call the lessons to learn from Joseph in his time in Egypt. The first thing I'm going to say is this. No matter what you're going through, God is with you. Joseph was sold into Egypt as a slave, but he was never alone. 
God was with him every step of the way. He was there to give him favor with the people that owned him. He was there to prosper everything that he did and put his hands on. God was a constant presence in his life, and he is for you. So remember, no matter where you, where you have to go to or what you have to do, God has promised that he will never leave you and that he will never forsake you. He's there to walk through every fiery furnace with you and bring you through without even smelling like smoke. He's walking. I don't care what you're going through right now. He's in that thing with you. And he's there to make sure that you find favor and that you find success. You, you, you wonder sometimes, why do, why do people just gravitate to you and like you? Well, it's God's favor on your life. It ain't you. You know? It ain't because you're so good looking or something like that. You know, your looks can only take you so far. <laughs> but I mean, it just be, you know, it be, it be, have you ever heard somebody say, man, you just got this light on you, man. That's the favor of God. That's not you. That's not, that's not oil of Olay. <laughs> that's the glory of God on you, man. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't rub that in. <laughs> You got to spend time in the presence of God, man. Then that thing come on you, you know? And the more you spend time with God, the more it'll come on you. I mean, when I go places, man, I find favor where almost wherever I go, man. I mean, I find favor, man. It'd be like ridiculous. And I know it ain't, it ain't me. I know it's because God's hands on me. And this man, Joseph, here he is. A slave. Again, it don't get no lower than that. And this guy finds favor with this man Potiphar, man. And he's just like, man, just like whatever. Just whatever you want to do. What do you want me to do, Potiphar? Whatever you want to do. I mean, you're in charge of this place, man. Whatever you, I see whenever you do something, it works, man. So you go ahead and do it. And that's the second thing God will give you. He will, he will begin to give you ideas. That was the one thing I started thinking about, man. He will start giving you ideas, wisdom. I wake up in the morning sometimes, man, I'd be like, and God just starts downloading information into me as I'm praying. And it'd be so fast that I got to write it down, man. I, just, I start writing it down. You know, just, just the other day, I'm in prayer. I went and did this presentation. And, um, you know, financial presentation. And, you know, I sold my book and stuff like that. And every time when I get out and I speak to people, man, my book starts selling like crazy. So I'm in, you know, so I'm doing that and I start thinking, you know, what can I do? I said, God, what can I do to add value to what I do when I present, you know, to, you know, I'm thinking, I'm praying, stuff like that. God said, make a workbook. It's like that. Make a workbook. So he said, put together all of these financial forms and stuff like that and put them in a workbook. And then when you do your presentations, you can have them for the people. I said, wow, you know, what a way to add value. But God will give you little stuff like that. If you start getting into the presence of God and start seeking him for wisdom, he'll begin to give it to you. You start having issues on your job. How can I, do, how can I get this? 
He'll start giving you wisdom on what to do. He gave, he gave me some information this year, just streamlined everything. I'm sitting there, I was driving myself crazy about tax season this year. And I have all of these sites this year. I have 11 tax sites that I oversee. So I started thinking like, man, I got to set up this appointments with the IT guy so that he can go by all of these sites and set up the computer system. I'm like, oh, man, how am I do that, you know? So I'm trying to put this schedule together, and God says to me, have them come to your office and connect every laptop to the printer. And then just take the laptops and printers to the place. You don't have to worry about having them come to all these sites. I mean, just look at the little thing just like that. Save me, I mean, like hours and days worth of time. And I'm like almost stressing over it because I'm like, this is gonna be a crazy week. And God said, just all you got to do is that. Have him come there. He sit there for two hours. He puts everything together, and all you got to do is drop him off. Instead of taking a whole week <laughs> for him to go to, oh, hey, I can't come then. You know, I can't come on Wednesday at 10 o'clock. I come on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. You know, like, <laughs> instead of all that, come on Tuesday, set everything up, I'm done. Little stuff, man. And that wasn't for me because I'm thinking about everything else but. So God will begin to download wisdom into you. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, ask it of God. He said, because I give it to all men liberally and I pray. Now, if you, if you need wisdom, just ask me. I'll give it to you. You struggling with what you need to do, what direction you need to go, what, how, to, how to overcome a situation? Just ask me. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Just ask me. All right, so that's number one. Number two, I put it. It's not for where you are. It's for where you're going. Now, Potiphar's house was Joseph's first lesson in hard work. <laughs> he never worked a day in his life. Again, he was a houseboy and an errand runner and a tattletale. <laughs> and while his brothers were working the field, he was checking on them. <laughs> Here they are working hard, and he's just checking on them, you know, reporting back to the father. But when he went to Potiphar's house, he had to work. <laughs> he had to work then. And he, he's a slave, he got work now. Now I put here, he had, was a slave, and, and as a slave, work is the primary requirement. <laughs> but in doing that, he also learned how to manage and to lead in Potiphar's house. He became a true leader, and he became a true manager. He learned how to lead people. He learned how to manage things. He learned how to make that house run so smooth that Potiphar was like, man, this, this house is running smooth because of you. See, he, he learned some things. Now, although God was the orchestrator of it and the empowerer of it, he had to do it. So now he's working in his house and he's getting things together and he's, he's strategizing. He's figuring out how to work things better and make them better and make them run smoother and I put here you know as his hard work began to pay off he was promoted and given more authority in Potiphar's house and bottom line by the time he was done he was over everything in the house and in the field in fact he had control over the entire house now this was valuable training that he needed for when he went to the palace 
He went from managing a house to managing a prison to finally managing the nation of Egypt. I put again, what you're doing now is not for where you are. It's for where you're going. God always begins to set you up for where you're going. Learning how to do things on the ground floor. Learning how to make, see he had to start from the bottom. He had to learn every part of managing and running that, so that when he, so when he had to put together a plan to run Egypt, he had no problem doing it. Because whatever you can do on a smaller scale, all you gotta do is scale it up. And that's why the Bible says he that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. If you can be faithful over the little bit, and that doesn't, and that means anything. If you can be faithful over a little bit money, you can be faithful over a whole lot of money. If you can be faithful over a little job, you can be faithful over a business. All, all little things that you learn along the way, learning how to do it on the ground level, working your way up. I mean, everything that you're doing right now or that you've been trained to do or what you've learned to do, it could eventually lead you to something great and something greater. Nothing's ever wasted with God. Joseph is in this man's house just serving him. By the time he's finished, I mean, everybody in the whole, everybody in Egypt, including Potiphar and his wife, got to serve Joseph now. He started off as just a servant. Now everybody's serving him. But he had to learn it on the ground floor. So it's never for, it's never for now. Don't, don't, don't curse what you're going through right now because it's, it's training and preparation for what you're going to be doing later. I got to get ready to close. But I, I, let me, I, I'll, give you this, I'll give you this one more because I can't finish. Have lines drawn that you will not cross no matter what. And I put here, you know, we talked about this, but Joseph could have slept with Potiphar's wife and Potiphar would never know. He would have still been in charge of Potiphar's house and could have been with his wife on the side. The issue is that although Potiphar might not have known, God would have known. And I put the price for integrity, however, might be a steep one. The price for Joseph's integrity was a prison sentence. But he didn't lose the presence of God in his life. Most people would rather lose the presence and please people. You have to draw clear lines in the sand for yourself and everyone else and refuse to cross them. That's my line. I ain't crossing it. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. That's my line. I ain't crossing it. And he always say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You got to have some kind of standard in your life. You got to have something that, that's it. That, that right there, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going beyond that. And Joseph had his lines clearly drawn. I'm going to honor God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this thing and not sin against Potiphar, sin against God. God's going to be my priority here. And um, I really, I got so much more. I, I just, 
I don't even know. I, I just have so much more here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close right here because it's getting late. I'll pick this up next week. Did this bless you guys today? I'm on, I'm on, I'm on ministry. I'm going to pick this up next week because God really gave me some powerful points out of here. And I really believe that, um, again, this could be the, the most amazing year that you've ever had in your life. It could be. And for many of you, I think it will. But for some people, just it won't. They'll end 2019 like they did 2018, and they'll say, well, you know, I couldn't wait for that year to end, <laughs> you know? This could really be your year. But like I said, it's important that you put God first. See, jo Joseph put God first in his life. And it, you can tell, because when it came down to it, he said, I'm not crossing that line. He put God first. And because he put God first, he had favor and he had wisdom. I mean, you're talking about having a business acumen and never being trained at it. I mean, once I, let me wait, wait until I get into all of this. The rest of, I mean, the ideas that God gave Joseph were just ridiculous. He revitalized the whole country after the famine. God gave him a plan to revitalize the whole country. I'm not talking about, you know, his own personal finances. You know, I'm talking about the whole country to bring the country back, to, uh, back up. You're talking about, I mean, he just had this, such a business mind. But God gave it to him. But he put God first. And if you'll begin to do that, God will begin to give you favor. He'll begin to give you wisdom, purpose. He'll give you everything that you need in life. So we're going to close right here. Again, I'll pick up on this message next week. I believe that, that I'm not going to try to rush it because I know God really got something to say out of this. But just lift your hands to Jesus and we'll just close. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just worship you. We, we bless you. God, we thank you. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. We thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that your people had ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. I mean, let them have received what was needed for them in their life, whatever that is. You said in your word that he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Not has said, but is saying. You have a word for each and every one of us right here, and I pray that you will grant us the grace to not miss when you speak to us, because we know that one word from you could change our lives forever. And Father, for it, we just want to thank you. We bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he be merciful, gracious, and kind to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace. In Jesus' matchless name, I want everybody to say, I'm blessed.
and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Go downstairs and get yourself a piece of cake. Love you guys.